the scripture says, I'll pray to the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. If you look at it from the Amplified, there are several words. We've got helper, we've got strengthener, we've got counselor, we've got intercessor, we've got advocate, and we've got standby. And really the past few weeks we've just been in this portion of scripture where we've been dealing with, we dealt with the advocate, we dealt with the strengthener, we dealt with the standby. And today I want us to talk a little bit about the counselor. And so I want, us, I want to take us to a promise that was made to you and to me. And we can find this promise in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. This is a promise that was made to us. I've been saying for the past few weeks, and I'll keep saying it, there is there are certain realms of God you will never access without knowledge. That's why you find you easily experience the advocate at a higher level if you've been taught on the advocate. There are just certain realms of God you never experience without knowledge. And it's interesting that even when the Bible is talking about spiritual warfare, the only things that can cause a believer to lose is if they don't know because my people perish for lack of knowledge. And also, if they don't take up their armor, which they are supposed to take up, if they are passive believers. I've had a burden for people to pursue knowledge. And I was reading the scriptures and I came across a scripture that scared me. Would you like to see it? Proverbs 1 verse 28. Take it. This was the wisest person of the Old Testament. Look at this. This is wisdom speaking. Because it says wisdom is calling out for her children and this and that and that. I want you to see this. It scared me. Read it on your own. One to go. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a little scary, don't you think? They will call me, I won't answer. As in this person will go on a 40-day prayer and fasting, none of their prayer requests will be answered. They will seek him diligently. They will practice the fullness of shale lala shale tusha. They will climb all the mountains they can climb. Haven't you ever met people who are very passionate about God? You can't match them. But there is something that they are lacking. So why are these people seeking him and he's not answering? Why are they following him? And why are they struggling to find him? They've got one weakness. Next verse. Read it. They just hated knowledge. They just hated knowledge. And I can tell you that's what's going on. There are a lot of people who hate knowledge. I remember one time, um, no keyboard for now. There was a time 
uh, just, I think I should have been 17. I was just doing what every other, you know, average 17, 18-year-old does, you know, casting out devils, praying for the sick, and you know those things, eh? And I received a visit from a certain woman. Uh, they brought her home. I've just forgotten the people who brought her. I think I do now. And when they brought her, she had problems. Number one, she was paralyzed while giving birth. She got paralyzed, so one side of her body was hugely affected. Number two, while having that same one side of her body hugely affected, she was hit by a car on the same spot. Were you with me that day, Bethel? Were you? Wasn't you, eh? Anyways, she was hit on the same spot, and so she couldn't even talk. And so they brought her to this young, zealous, 17, 18-year-old. You know, you are going to walk, whether you like it or not. Whether you're feeling pain, you're not feeling pain. I was too zealous. You are going to walk. I was excited when they brought her. And I remember I shared the word of God with her and with all of them. I said, in the name of Jesus. And then to the glory of God, one of her legs was shorter. Everything in me did a somersault. As far as I was concerned, that was my calling. <laughs> if you ask me what my calling was in those days, it was to preach the gospel and grow shorter legs. <laughs> calling fulfilled. And I think like a hundred people came to see me in a year. And I, I'm not joking about it. And I prayed for her and she got healed immediately. I told about her authority in Christ. I told her all those things. And the moment we were done, she got healed, by the way. She said, talking, all, the, all that stuff, to the glory of God. Amen? Now, the moment we were done, she merely said, Ah, my pastor, before the Bible end, we never got to oil. So I was like, Nyachani. I was like, I was like, I was like, And you know what I realized? There are people who would rather you give them a bottle of oil than you teach them. They hate knowledge. They love substances. They hate knowledge. And in Africa, a lot of people love substances and hate knowledge. I'm telling you, someone can wait passionately for hours to grab a bottle of oil. But can they sit down in a lesson? Now, Oil can be used symbolically and all these things, but you know my biggest problem, because we are aiming for perfection, eh? my biggest problem is this. If the biggest thing that gives you comfort when you're seated at home is that you've got oil with my name on it, the day it finishes, how if you get my point? Like, I wonder, like, what's the mindset? As you're watching it finish every day, your God is finishing. Imagine that. Your God is finishing. And the day it finishes, the amount of panic it causes. Because you've got a very finite view of God. You're beginning to view him in the... In, in the you're beginning to view him from the perspective of a substance. And if you've studied Moses and the Israelites, the Bible actually tells us that God said he did not reveal his form to the Israelites because if he revealed it, they would have created an image out of his form, but he revealed it to Moses because Moses had dealt with idolatry. That's why Moses knew his ways and the Israelites knew his works. 
What am I trying to say? There's just a certain level people who don't pursue knowledge won't reach. They're just certain realms they will never know because they've not pursued knowledge. They've not pursued knowledge. And in this year that has passed, I've got a question for you. Have you pursued knowledge? Have you been in the meetings you're supposed to be in? Have you read the books you're supposed to read? Don't say you don't enjoy reading. You read so many memes every day. So many of them. You view 250 statuses a day. You love reading. Matter of fact, you're obsessed with reading. What am I trying to say? There are just certain realms that won't be hit if people hate knowledge. So can you imagine there are people who are passionate. They are crying out to God, praying for three hours, the wrong prayer points. Some of the things they're praying about, they're supposed to be declaring. Some of the things they're declaring, they're supposed to be praying. Praying the wrong... Imagine praying a miss for three hours. Imagine that. Because there's one weakness. They hated knowledge. Now let me tell you why people hate knowledge. It's very the knowledge of God. Sometimes, you know why people hate it? You may, it, it, it may surprise you, but it's not always the most popular message because it challenges you. It's not always the most popular message because it puts you at a position of responsibility. Because the day you know, to him who knows, more is expected. Isn't that what the Bible says? To him who knows, if he didn't do it, it is sin. So for example, the day you are blessed, the day you know that you are blessed, you no longer hide under the... How can I put it? The day you come to a place of revelation about the blessing. That's why Paul prayed for the church to have revelation of Christ. The day you increase in the knowledge of God about the blessing, for you forever, the excuse of, I'm not prospering because of my great-grandfather, it's gone. You can never use it again because you know too much. I don't know if you're getting my point. And, 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 and folks don't always like that. The day you grow in the knowledge of God and discover that you can decide for yourself, you can make certain choices for yourself. I was telling them on Sunday, then you will never come again and say, no, uh, you know, in our family, everyone gets pregnant before marriage. Just don't get pregnant. It's quite easy to do. Why? Because you've grown in knowledge. In that way, the Bible says, take heed what you hear. For to him, much is given. For him who has more will be given. So meaning there is a blessing that only comes to people who know. I'm challenging you to pursue knowledge. Hallelujah. Know this stuff. Know this stuff. You're at an advantage when you know. The world, even in religious circles, is trying to keep us at a place of balancing. I'm urging you, get obsessed with the knowledge of God. Let it become the very words that come out of your mouth. Let it become the very blood in your body. As it, get obsessed with the knowledge of God. Get obsessed with it. Get obsessed with the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Look at the prayer the Apostle Paul made. Let's look at it. Ephesians 1 verse 16. If you want to be very biblical in your prayers, try to pray some prayers from the Bible. Hallelujah. And this is Paul talking to his church, and he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
making mention of you in my prayers. Uh -huh. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of Sophia and Apocalypsis. In the epignosis of him. Okay. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's all. Don't worry about those semantics. Go back. Can you imagine your pastor can pray so many prayer points for you and yet the biggest prayer, the biggest prayer point he had, this prayer point, he never stopped praying it. This was a prayer he never stopped praying. This is the prayer you pray for people even if they get that miracle job, even if they get that miracle. He are still praying this prayer for them. And the one prayer he had is that they may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That was the biggest prayer point. Let them grow in the knowledge of him. That was the biggest prayer point. Next verse. Then what happens when you grow in the knowledge of him? Your eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of... Imagine that your eyes are enlightened. Your eyes have light. They are flooded with light. If you haven't you read where the Bible says the God of this world blinds the eyes of unbelievers, that they do not see the light of the gospel. Now imagine Paul is saying that your eyes may be flooded with light. Nothing is dark to you. Nothing is a mystery to you. Nothing is a secret to you. You see things the way they are. And it says that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's go on. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Meaning when you grow in the knowledge of God, suddenly you know the exceeding greatness of his power. Oh, you don't, you don't become a doubter. You know the exceeding greatness of his power. And it says, towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Next verse. See this. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So the power you know is the one that raised Christ from the dead, right? And who raised Christ from the dead? The Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11. Next verse. In short, Paul wants you to know the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Pursue knowledge. Pursue knowledge. Let me show you one more verse. John 17, 3. Start from verse 2 or 1, just for context. Jesus is praying and he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. Uh-huh. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Now, wait there. I've told you before that there are many people who read this, when they read John 3.16, in their heads they read it as, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not go to hell but go to heaven. That's not what it says. It says, shall not perish but have eternal life. Some people read that as shall not perish but live forever. That's not what it says. That's not the definition of eternal life. That's just part of the benefits of eternal life. But Jesus defines eternal life. Look at what he says. As you have given, go back, this is really in context. 
as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3, read it together. One, two, three, go. Read it one more time with more excitement. So when you're growing in the knowledge of God, that's eternal life. That's, that's what he wanted all along. Can you imagine? That's what he wanted all along. That they may know you. It's a life of constantly knowing him. And we know him now. And we'll know him tomorrow. And then, even in the age to come, we'll keep knowing him. And keep knowing him. And keep knowing him. Can you imagine the elders by his throne are constantly still knowing him? You know, they are not programmed. It's not like there's a chip in their brain, then they're programmed every second, fall down. No, no, no. Imagine, they look at him, they're like, hey, holy! They go down. They look at him, hey! And you, you know one verse that amazes me about the way he is? Let me tell you one verse that amazes me. You know how with a cloud of great witnesses, right? If you've read in the book of Revelations, which I'm sure we've all read, because I told you every believer must know at least how many scriptures... 1,000 scriptures, just for starters. Not so. so, hallelujah, just for starters. So, in the book of Revelations, how many of you have read when it was time to open the scroll in heaven and the Bible says there was none worthy, there was none who was found worthy? How many of you have noticed the use of the word there is worthy? Worthy means deserving. For on purpose, he didn't use righteous. On purpose, he didn't use holy. It says there was none who was found worthy. And then, of course, there was celebration because Jesus came on the scene, you know, as a lamb, and he was found to be worthy. Now, notice the praise they gave him. They said, you are worthy to open the scroll. And then it talks about how he was slain and he has risen. And then it says, and you have made them kings and priests. What that shows you is this. <laughs> Imagine. Have you ever had a case where somebody looks at you and you're now this spiritual person and they're thinking, you, spiritual. There's no end of places together. Have you ever... Uh, anyways, you've forgotten the former things. Nevertheless, deep inside, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm telling you, dealing with meetings, I've had funny cases. Have you ever... Um, sometimes when I, when I have a meeting especially when we have a conference, I can see the shock on some people's faces when they see certain people they used to drink together with. They're like, ah! Why? It's a No, good to see you. Welcome to the... <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that well, other people can ridicule you, in heaven, that's not the case. Imagine in heaven, they look at Fred. They look at how he was. They look at how he used to think. And then they look at what happened the moment he encountered Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. New creation. All of a sudden, the guy is preaching. Hey, you know what they do? They don't look at him and say, Xay, you're tough. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Sorry, we've had a lot of kids at home. Oh, man. That's the way they talk. They also use the word wala. I, I still don't know what that means. I just hear them shouting, hey, wala. I say when they're playing FIFA. Now, and so they don't look and say, hey, this guy is so tough. You know what they do? 
when they see you growing in the knowledge of God, when they see you growing in faith, when they see you growing working miracles, they turn to Jesus and say, hey, you can get that person and turn him into a king and priest. Hey. So actually, the more we do these things, the more they glorify our Lord Jesus. So can you imagine a life of knowing him? A life of knowing him. Here's our verse for the day. We're talking about the Holy Spirit as the counselor. Now why, if you've observed every week, I don't know why it's been happening, but I'm going to observe that every week before I preach, I've been given an exhortation on knowledge. I hope you're learning. I hope you're getting something. I hope you're getting something. Give me Proverbs 1 verse 4 as we are going back to the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Verse 3, verse 3. 5. Let me just take a look. There's, there's a verse I'm looking for. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a young, and a man of understanding will attend wise counsel. A wise man will hear and increase learning. What's wisdom? Wisdom is to increase learning. What will make you different in 2020, which we are not in 2019? It's what you'll know in 2020. What will you know then? Okay. Now, Isaiah chapter number 30. Verse 20. Let's start from verse 20. Okay, this is interesting. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Interesting, eh? Next verse. Your ears shall hear a word behind you. Can I have the King James? And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, your ears will hear a word behind you. The Holy Spirit as the counselor. The Holy Spirit as the one who guides. The Holy Spirit as the one who offers advice. I'll tell you this. The Holy Spirit is in the past. The Holy Spirit is in the present. And the Holy Spirit is in the future. Who better to advise you than the Spirit of God? What am I trying to say? We have to embrace the Holy Spirit as our counselor the one who offers advice. You know how that old song goes, what peace we often forfeit? Can you imagine what counsel we often forfeit? Think about this. If you are having legal problems, are you going to go to a doctor for advice? Who you go to? If you're having medical problems, are you going to go to a lawyer for advice? 
No, you either go to a doctor or the super doctor called your mother. <laughs> Those are in their own realm and category. They, they diagnose for themselves. Hallelujah. Now, if you are going to have life questions, who better to go to than the author of life? Who better to get counsel from than the author of life himself? I'll tell you something. Some of the biggest decisions I've made have not come through this big experience. You know, there are certain big decisions I, had, I wanted to make. And especially after I watched testimonies of other people, I decided just to sit and wait. And I was now waiting for like, as I'm seated around 22, then there will be a light in the room. And then this, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to say? Now, listen, I'll be very honest with you. For others, praise the Lord. But the dramatic, out-of-this-world experiences, from what I've observed, may not always be daily. May not always be daily. I, I had a dramatic experience a few months ago. I couldn't, I was struggling to talk to people the whole day. As a matter of fact, for a week, I was struggling. I was out of touch. Then I realized why they're not daily. You might just become confused in this world. Maybe walking the whole day like, is this real? Is this, this? I'm telling you. But one thing that's a daily reality is the voice of the Spirit. So there are times I've waited for something dramatic and then in waiting for something dramatic, you miss out on the, sometimes it's a still, small voice. I'm not saying his voice is small, but sometimes that's the way he speaks. If you've read in the scriptures, do you remember what happened with Elijah? Is it First Kings 19, where God said, let's meet. There was a fire, there was a strong wind, but the Lord was not in all those. And then when there was a silent wind, God spoke. He was able to discern the presence of God. What am I trying to say? Sometimes we wait for the dramatic when the Spirit of God is trying to communicate something. And if I must tell you, you can train yourself to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. You can train yourself to be able to hear Him well. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit is my guide. The Holy Spirit is my, Holy Spirit is my, counselor. The Holy Spirit is my counselor. One thing I'll tell you is this. You want to hear the Spirit of God better, you can train yourself. And I can tell you one or two ways you can train yourself. It's very simple. Number one, read the Bible a lot. He wrote it. Read the Bible a lot. He wrote it. So most likely, I mean, there, there are thousands of words in the Bible. Most likely what he's going to tell you will probably have something to do with something he's written before. Because he's very scripture, he wrote it. He's not going to go against his own word. If you read the scriptures a lot, let me tell you what it's like. It's like a pupil attending class. You don't expect the teacher to teach if the pupil is missing their classes. Get acquainted with the scriptures. Most people who go into either the occult or just weird divination and all those things are people who want experiences but don't want the scriptures. People who want the voice but don't want the text. 
Don't be that kind of person. Read, just be very scriptural. <laughs> Hallelujah. The first thing Jesus did according to Luke when he was before the public, he read where it was written of him. For the apostles, it was a daily thing. They used to read the scriptures. We are not any better than them. We cannot be wiser than God, people. But we can't be wiser than God. He's told us to read this. Read the scriptures a lot. Look at what Peter says about the scriptures. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He says, verse 21. Give me verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man. He's talking about the scriptures. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Spirit. So he's already spoken so much. If you don't want to read what he's already said, why should he say anything new? I don't know about you. I wouldn't say anything new. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say many new things if what I've already said, somebody didn't want to pay attention to it. I've got a question for you. If I came to you today and said, hey, I've got a word from the Lord for you, what will happen to you on the inside? Is that the same approach you have towards the Bible? When you open it, and it says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By living according to your word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So when you open it and you see it like that, do you give it the same reverence, even bigger, or the same attention that you'd give if someone came and said, oh, the Lord is saying, for you to keep your way, live according to his word. That will save you from a lot of frustration. Because if you've noticed, you don't necessarily receive words every day. <laughs> it will save you from a lot of frustration otherwise you will leave every meeting frustrated I have been there <laughs> Lord speak to me I could pity you I remember the last I was at a meeting recently uh, I think and there was someone preaching and he stayed by prophesying, and oh my goodness, it was accurate. He went this side, and then he, I thought I was next. He looks right at me and says, you! And then, of course, my first reaction was, me? <laughs> Guess what? It was my neighbor. <laughs> I had to practice the fruit of the Spirit and be happy for him. Hallelujah. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is that you save yourself from a lot of frustration. You know, you'll be shocked. How can a person be seated waiting to hear from God about whether to end something that's causing them to sin? He already said his view. He gave his view. He's not going to change it. His view, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it off and throw it away. His view will never change to explain to it properly and then have a talk with it, then put ice on the eye. I don't know. He said, pluck it out and throw it away. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some things people are waiting for. God has already said. And I'll tell you this. Jesus did tell us that the Spirit of God would, what he does, he amplifies because there are certain things Jesus did not say. He said, I have not said everything because your eyes are still dull of hearing. That's what he said. And apart from that, he said, he'll remind you of what I've taught. Meaning, it's actually easier to hear the Spirit of God over a subject you've read about. How many of you have observed that? The first time I ever heard the Spirit of God speak to me about bitterness, 
It was when I heard a preacher preach about bitterness. I was sure that week the Spirit of God began to show me that one. That one you've not forgiven. That one you've not forgiven. How come he didn't show me the previous week? Because I didn't know. I'm telling you, I've only experienced it twice or thrice where I've woken up with a verse I've never read. Usually you've at least seen it before. Maybe you just never paid attention. So the chances of you hearing God are higher when you study the scriptures because you are also showing honor for what he has already said. If you show honor for what he has already said, then surely he will keep speaking. So be a very scriptural person. Be scriptural. Be a scriptural person. Hallelujah. Another thing that I will tell you is this. You must understand that one of the methods... One thing that I've learned about the Spirit of God is that he doesn't just speak, he communicates. It's important to know that. He doesn't just speak, he communicates. What's the difference? Speaking entails a voice. Communication is all around. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example. Let's see. Faith. Faith, you don't know. She's learning. Okay. I need to take some water. So when I do this, it's H2O. You know what I've just done? I've communicated. Max. Yes, let me hear it. The key keeps changing, you don't know. Yeah, I'm busy saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just worship him. <laughs> sometimes just, even without a song, sometimes just talk to him, can't you go What am I doing? Communicating. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, what am I trying to say? I, I, you know it. You know it. You've been there before. Relatives have come home. Relatives come home and you're misbehaving. And your mother is walking this side. I don't know how. But she skillfully looks at you with this corner of her eye. <laughs> well, smiling at them, but skillfully looks at you. Everything in you knows, hey! <laughs> What's happening? You're communicating. How has the communication reached such a rich level? There's been fellowship. I hope you know when you're studying the scriptures, it's fellowship. When you're praying, it's fellowship. As you continue to fellowship, you will notice that the Spirit of God communicates. One of the ways he communicates is when he moves you. Have you ever just gotten zeal for something? You don't know how you... Do you know that the Spirit of God can inspire you? I'm telling you. Some people have asked me, what's your greatest 
Especially when I'm asked in secular circles, sometimes I don't know what to answer. When I'm asked, what's your source? How come you're always highly motivated? Have you ever had the Spirit of God inspire you? Look at this, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, what does it say? Uh All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What do you think can cause a man to start writing, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. What do you think can cause a man to do that? I don't know if somebody is getting my point. How many of you have observed that sometimes writing can be very irritating? Just writing a six-page assignment, the way some of us begin to share with the whole world how life is difficult and they don't know why they ever went to school. These guys were writing stuff that didn't even make sense to their day. Do you know why they had to write that? Because right now, if you had to try to preach to a Jew, you will have to show them how Jesus is linked to Abraham. Now, you, for you to start your research, the easiest you can do is go to Matthew. Inspiration of God. I remember I was feeling so lazy to write. I knew God wanted me to write a book. I was feeling so lazy. One day I had a dream that I was writing. The day I just got on the computer and began writing, I was done in two days. I just got this supernatural inspiration. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God can move you. He can move you. Some of you, that's how you came to church for the first time. You're just moved by the Spirit. (laughs) And the more you begin to cooperate to Him, the more He does more. Because He's a gentleman. He doesn't force you. Just like He doesn't speak in tongues for you. He feels you. (laughs) I'm telling you, the Spirit of God can move you. Where suddenly you just get divine inspiration over a certain area. Oh, can you imagine what kind of believers would have if they learned how to tap into a heavenly source of inspiration? Imagine that. Why he moves you. If you're in ministry, you know that there are days where you're tempted to be discouraged. As in you are believing God for a powerful conference, one to four. <laughs> and in your sermon, you plan the part where you said, I just want 500 of you to shout hallelujah. What do you think gets you going again? There's, there's a divine servicing that takes place when you're, when you're in. So, somehow you just always aim for greatness. Somehow you just always want more. He moves you. Pay attention to the divine inspirations of the spirit. Why are you suddenly so interested in business? You never cared about business before. Suddenly you're interested. Flow with it. Flow with it. Flow with it. The church needs your money. Flow with it. Hallelujah. (laughs) No, we need you wealthy. (laughs) Let me not pretend. We do. Flow with it. Because the Bible says he will guide you into all truth. Not some truth. Not just religious truth. It says all truth. Meaning... As in the Spirit of God is the master strategist. I remember when I was in my 12th grade, uh, the results for the mock came out. And I got, I think, 48% in maths. And the results came out two months before the final exam. And I was thinking, oh my God, I failed. <laughs> and I remember it very well. I was walking 
And I literally heard the Spirit of God speaking to me. And he says, you know your problem, Frederick? You're too fast. And he gave me a plan of what I should do. I wish I could have that with all my subjects. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. He gave me a plan of what I should do. And I began to do it. So I disassociated from the study groups. I had my own strategy, which was divinely inspired. I got a one in maths two months later. So, yeah, believe in God for a one in maths. <laughs> Is somebody getting my voice? He's a divine strategist. He knows what your customers want. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he knows the day when the Egyptians are in the mood of giving you their silver and gold. Hey, he's a divine strategist. If only we could learn to cooperate with him. If only we stayed seeing the Holy Spirit as more than tongues. If only we could realize that what Jesus promised was more than tongues. He promised that when we would have him, we would conquer all kingdoms. Nothing would limit us anymore. If only we could start seeing him as more than the person who helps us with our emotional problems. Praise God for that. He's got a, he helps us with our emotions. He's our helper. But can you imagine there is more to him than that? There are many of us who have limited him to that. We only look, oh, sweet Holy Spirit, who gave me comfort when Jordan... They don't want me anymore. For I once believed that love was romance. <laughs> it was plainly strange. <laughs> but can you imagine? You can also know him as intelligent spirit of God, wise spirit of God, who gave me strategies of how to start that business. Of his fullness have we received. Grace upon grace. Hallelujah. I pray that as I've been talking, your heart has been stirred up. I pray you've been stirred up to pursue knowledge. I pray you've been stirred up to pursue relationship. I pray that from now on, whenever you hear somebody say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, when you hear them say the communion of the Spirit, you know what a communion is? <laughs> it's a common union. I've told you this story before. I'll tell you one last time before I pray for you. If you want to commune with God, if you want to have a common union with someone, it's very simple. Avoid what they don't like and go for what they like. If you're around me and you're smoking, even if I like you, I probably won't be near you because I don't like the smell of smoke. You want to have a... <laughs> I was in Kenya and I met this man and he was Zambian. He kept looking at me. I didn't know he was Zambian, but he kept looking at me like he knows me. And I hadn't seen a Zambian for a while. And he looks at me, looks at me. And he says, Apostle Fred. I was like, a Zambian. <laughs> I could tell from the accent. We were best friends, I'm telling you. We stood together in the line. We escorted each other at the shops. We were best friends. We also met someone from Zimbabwe, so we're so happy, like the three Southern Africans, you know what I mean? We were best friends. We exchanged numbers. We've never caught each other from the time we landed in Zambia. Never. Not even once. I don't remember his name or how he looks like. If you're watching me, I'm sorry. But what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is what made the two of us relate was a common union, which was that we were both from Zambia. My friend, if you've got interest in seeing souls won to Christ, you think the Spirit of God won't give you a word of knowledge. You've got a common union. You both want souls. If you've got interest in seeing 
the name of Jesus glorified. You think the Holy Spirit won't speak? You've got a common union. You both want Jesus glorified. Hallelujah. It's very easy to commune with the Spirit. It's not complicated. 